Well, hey, I want to welcome all our campuses today, if you, wherever you join us from, as we wrap up this series, More Than Words. You know, we've been talking about uh, how God can partner with you to take your words and use them as so much more than just words, to literally change the trajectory of a human life, even an eternity. I mean, have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about eternity? You know, how do you even think about it? Like, uh, I want you to look at this picture. Um, you know, I can't even conceive of eternity, right? But we, we picture uh, time as just now, right? That's, that's all we can experience. Time is now. It moves forward linearly in one direction. But eternity is a line stretching both directions forever. Or maybe all directions forever. If time's multidimensional, we don't know, right? But either way... This 78 years, statistically speaking, if you're an American, that's how much time you've got, right? That 78 years is just a dot on the line of eternity. And yet, think about how many people only live for the dot. They, they don't live for the line. They don't even think about the line. In fact, our, our culture preaches the dot, right? Today's all you got, so party hardy, dude. Right? I mean, that's the... It's like, that's all you got, and so just do what you want, but stop and think about it. If there's more than the dot, if, the, if it's really just a dot, this 78 years on eternity that stretches forever both directions, it's not very smart to just live for the dot, is it? And so I want to ask you a, a question this morning. Are you living just for the dot, or are you living for the line? Are you just living for the short term? Or are you living for the long term? Are, are you living only for a life that will definitely end? Or are you living for a life that goes on forever? You know, that question really haunted me when I was still working as an engineer. Because I, I was learning more and more about Jesus. And about how, how he historically did things that verified he really was revealing God. And the more I started realizing this is real, it hit me. It if this is real, nothing is more important. Nothing's more important. And, and it got me thinking about, well, what lasts? And, and what I discovered is that what God says lasts is God and his promises, his word, he says, will last for eternity and people last for eternity. And, and that's what ultimately motivated me to leave my career in engineering and go into full-time ministry to really spend all the time I could investing in those things. But here's the thing, you don't have to leave your career to live for the line and to invest in what lasts for eternity. You know, I, I was reminded of that when uh, I visited uh, John Lockhart uh, a week or so ago. Um, many of you uh, probably know John. John plays in the band Suede. He's well known around Austin. Uh, he got baptized at Gateway South um, a couple of years ago and has been plugged in if you're in Buda. Uh, Kyle, you probably know him. You've seen him up on stage here north too. He's an electric guitar player. Well, uh, this year he got diagnosed with cancer. And um, the doctors, after doing everything they could, uh, basically they can't do anything else. We're praying for a miracle. Um, it's stage four cancer. He's on hospice. And so I went to just pray with him. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to try to encourage him and comfort him. And all his friends, you know, are, are coming to do the same. And I was blown away because he's encouraging and comforting everyone else. 
He was like so pumped up. I was, I was, I was shocked. And he's telling everybody about how real God is and, and how, how, how tangibly God's made his presence and peace known in this and how, how he was saying, you know what, I want to live, but I'm fully surrendered to Christ and, and, and if now's my time, I'm good with it. It's all good. And he's telling this to all his friends and many of his friends who don't have faith, they're starting to think about the line, not just the dot. And it just reminded me, you know, he is already living on the line. It's what the Apostle Paul said when he was actually in a Roman prison, possibly facing death. And he said this in Philippians 1, 20, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. Dying is even better because he knew the line is real. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I, I don't really know which is better. See, friends, living for the line is a win-win. It's a no-lose situation because you, you realize that it's only getting better from here. And so I want to challenge you. If, if you claim to follow Jesus... You know, you don't have to leave your career uh, to make an eternal difference. You just have to change your view. If you're just living for the dot, start living for the line. And watch how God uses your life to make an eternal difference. You know, Paul goes on and talks about that in Philippians 3, 18. He says, oh, I say it again with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. Only about the dot. But we are citizens of heaven. We're citizens of the line. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And he's going to take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using that same power which he will use to bring everything under his control. You hear this? If you put your trust in Christ, you are a citizen of of heaven. You're a citizen of eternity. Your destiny is the line. So live like your destiny is the line. And you know, in this uh, What's After ATX uh, citywide conversation, that's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to give not only you at Gateway, but the whole city a glimpse of how real the line is. Eternity is real. And, and we've been showing scientific evidence that this is real. Meeting people where they're at. They want evidence, here's evidence. And I hope you've gone out to the, uh, that website, whatsafteratx.org, and seen not only the videos, stories of these people who have clinically died, been resuscitated by medical science, right? And have told about the reality of the line. And I hope you're sharing those on social media. It's why we're giving you the What's After Life book, not only to read for yourself, but to give to others. And, you know, to have this citywide conversation. Now, we're not going to be talking about this really again until Easter. Okay, next week our campus pastors are going to be starting a new series, Talking from the Heart. Can't wait for that. Be sure to be here for that. But uh, at Easter, we're going to pick it back up again and we're going to dive in deep. I'm going to go deep into the biblical underpinnings of, of what's after and, and how it relates to how we live today. And we're going to hear more stories from people. I'm going to have live interviews here and invite people. Here's why. Because this is what people long for. If you don't believe that, don't miss it. That everything we long for in this earth and all the things that we struggle and complain about are all pointing 
towards something that we were created for. And understanding and living for that changes the way we live and love today. It truly makes us better people. You know, Jesus came to make a way so that all people could enter into this free gift of relationship with God for eternity. It's a free gift. You realize that? That's why we're doing all this. Because the truth is, you know, people don't know how God feels about them, that he's for them, not against them. And, and you know, that's what Jesus came to do, to pay the price so that all of our wrongs could be paid for, washed away, so that anyone who's willing can be made right with God forever. All you have to do is tell him yes. You know, if that's you, and, and you haven't, you don't know you're right with God, why don't you just tell him yes today, right now in your heart? That's all he requires. He just requires you to say, yes, I want what you did for me, to count for me, Jesus. I want your forgiveness. I want your leadership. And he says that begins a relationship with God that lives on the line. It lasts forever. Nothing can change it. But then God temporarily has us living on the dot for a purpose. We're here on this earth to love God and to love people in all we do. You know, this is what Jesus came and showed us. It says in Matthew 9, when Jesus saw the crowds of people, he had compassion for them. God wants us to live with compassion for the people around us. It says, because he could see beneath the surface that people were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, wandering. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I have compassion on humanity. I see that they're struggling and hurting. And the problem isn't that there aren't hurting, broken, lonely, isolated, addicted people wondering if God cares about them, feeling ashamed, feeling guilty. That's not the problem. (laughs) They're everywhere. And they long to know. Many, he says, will will come and, and, and be made right with God and be adopted into his family if they just know what God's done for them. That's not the problem. The problem is God partners with people to love people. That's how he's changing the world, life by life by life. And, and the problem is many people are so busy with the dot, they're not thinking about the line enough to get past themselves to love others, to tell them how God feels about them. And that's why we've been talking about this. You know, and, and so Jesus asks us to pray. God, send more people to love the people around me. And then the question is, can he send you? Will you be one of those people? And that's why we're trying to make it incredibly easy right now. You know, people all across our city are seeing these, these videos showing evidence that there is life after death and that God is real. And it's pointing them to the reality of God and what he's done for them through Jesus. You know, I, I got a, a phone call from Jose uh, this week. I haven't talked to Jose in years. So I used to play soccer with Jose and a a bunch of his friends about five years ago. Jose calls me up. He says, Burke, I'm playing a video game on my phone and I have to watch a commercial and you show up. What are you doing? (laughs) I'm like, what? And then it struck me. Oh, crud. (laughs) I wasn't thinking about that. But he saw one of these videos where we're talking about what's after life. And we end up in this great conversation. And you know, five years ago, I would hang out after soccer and have conversations with these guys about 
spiritual life and stuff. And I didn't think they were going anywhere. I mean, they'd just make fun of me. They call me Father Burke, you know. And, and I didn't think they went anywhere. But Jose told me that, that and he, he was not following Christ at the time. He told me he's now plugged into a church near where he lives. And he's, he's reading the Bible and he's growing in his relationship with God. And he's so excited about it. He's leading others. And I was blown away. Because I didn't think my words were going anywhere, and yet God was using my words to be more than words, at least somewhat in Jose's life. And, and more and more people, you're going to find, are very open. They're very open to this message. And we've been hearing many stories of, of how grateful people are even to receive a book, because the book is something that people are talking about in culture. You know, Rosanna, who uh, leads our prayer team down at Gateway South, uh, she said this week she was reading the What's Afterlife book and had this thought come into her mind, maybe she should give one to her gardener who was working in the lawn, on the lawn where she lives in Allendale. And then she thought, no, he wouldn't be interested. But that thought persisted and she thought, well, maybe this is one of those God nudges. And so hesitantly, she went outside and, and she said to the gardener, she said, hey, I know this is a little weird, but I've been reading this fascinating book and something made me think you might be interested in it. She hands it to him. He looks at the the front. He reads the back. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I've been listening to podcasts while I work of people who have had near-death experiences or other supernatural experiences. Yeah, I'd love to read the book. (laughs) Do you think that's just a coincidence that she had that thought? And, And it shows you how this is a topic that people are curious about out in the culture. They just don't realize how much it points toward what God's revealed in the Bible and what he said about Jesus and how he wants them to know him and know his love. You know, uh, Carlos told you a couple of weeks ago that um, our younger staff had to let me know that I was trending on social media. I said, what's trending? (laughs) No, not that bad, but close. (laughs) You, you, know, uh, you know how there's agoraphobia, you know, fear of open spaces or crowds and arachnophobia, fear of spiders. I have instafacephobia. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, people like have FOMO, fear of missing out on social media and what's going on. I have no more FOMO. <laughs> no more desire to know what's going on in social media. I know, Carlos is telling me, you got to get over that, dude, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to help me. But uh, anyway, they told me I'm trending on social media. And, and what happened apparently is Sadie from Duck Dynasty posts this picture, okay? It's a picture of herself in front of the toilet. Maybe you don't notice, but my book Imagine Heaven is right back over there by the toilet, okay? And, um, you know, probably where it belongs, I know. Nothing. You know, nothing that uh, caused you to realize the fragility of life more than death and the bathroom, right? So, so she says this. Um, all right, this is going to go deep. So here's a mirror selfie by the toilet to help lighten the mood. I've been really happy lately, but at the same time, I've been feeling anxious about death. Now, she has 3.7 million followers. And so she shares about how someone gave her Imagine Heaven and she's been reading it and how it's completely changed her perspective and how excited she is and how hope-filled she is. She gets 232,000 likes and over 2,000 comments. The next thing you know, I'm trending. (laughs) (laughs) But what this shows you is how interested people are in this topic. 
Because all people secretly wonder, what happens after the dot? You know, is this life just a bunch of anxiety and stress and fear and worry and then nothing? And what's the point? Or is there hope? Is there a bigger perspective? Is there a love that overcomes it all and makes sense of it all? Does my life really have purpose here? Everybody wonders that secretly. And people are way more open than you think. And we're giving them scientific evidence that yes, not only is it real, but it points to Jesus and what he's done for them. People are open, or at least they want to be open, right? I love what uh, Ricky Echiona does. He's our, our student pastor um, down at Gateway South. And he was, he was talking to his barber. And um, he said to his barber, hey, I know you're an open-minded person, so I thought you would love this book. How can they say no? No one wants to admit they're closed-minded, right? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so what is it that can hold us back? Well, what people think, right? Uh, one of our leaders said to me, well, what if people think I'm a Jehovah's Witness point- passing out books? I said, yeah, I get it. I mean, think about me. I'm passing out books going, hey, you got to read an awesome book. I wrote it. How arrogant, right? I, I get it. I have to fight these thoughts that try to push me back, right? Like, hey, people are going to think you're just trying to make money, you know, right? I, I know the cynical thoughts. I'm taking, I'm making nothing. I'm giving to this, but people are going to still think bad things. And so here's what I've realized. It's not about me. It's about God. That's my motivation. I hope it's your motivation. It's not about you. It's about God and showing people how real the line is, how real God is, how much he loves them, how much he's for them. He wants to set them right with him forever so that they can be free. So are you living for the dot? Are you living for the line? Because on the dot, people will scoff and ridicule and persecute. But there are a lot of people seeking truth. And when we start talking to them, you'll see and they'll see. They will find truth. So we've been learning from Jesus about these conversations that move people forward on the spiritual journey. I want to look at one last one today. It was the day before Jesus was crucified. The day of his crucifixion. And he has this conversation with Pontius Pilate. And it's one of those pivotal conversations. In fact, think about it. You know the name Pontius Pilate, don't you? But he was just a Roman governor from 2,000 years ago. How many other Roman governors do you know from 2,000 years ago? None. Why do we know Pontius Pilate? Because of this one conversation and the decisions out of it. That made him infamous, actually. And it just reminds us how pivotal these conversations and decisions can be. So let's look at it in John chapter 18. It says, then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas, the Jewish uh, ruler, to the palace of the Roman governor. Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he weren't a criminal, they said, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves, judge him over your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. All right, hit pause a second. You know, this is fascinating to me because they say that we have no right to execute him. Now, you know, 
one of the things that convinced me when I was still an agnostic and a skeptic that Jesus is real and he's really the Messiah, the Son of God, revealing God, and he came to do all these things is because I started to see how many things were verifiable in history that God had foretold proof positive. This is just one of about 60 of them. But what's going on here is the Jewish leaders want to execute Jesus. Why? Well, because he claimed equality with God. Making himself out to be the Messiah, he healed people as as proof of that. The whole Jewish nation is talking about him, but he had insulted the religious leaders. Why? Well, because he saw through their phony acts of piety, their their greed-motivated, power-hungry obsession, and he called them on it. In fact, look at just a little of it in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus says to them, he's talking to them and, the whole, and all the people about these religious leaders. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, but they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves won't go in and you don't let others in either. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. You cross land and sea to make one convert and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. You've known some church people like that, haven't you? I mean, you never heard Jesus on a rant? He's on a rant. In fact, it goes on. Go read Matthew chapter 23. He keeps going. He spoke hard words to them, right? Because they pretended to follow God, but they were playing God. Power, money, that was their God. And as soon as Jesus threatened that, they wanted to get him out of the way, any way possible. And we talked last week about how Jesus did use hard words with those who were persistently hard-hearted. And he did it out of love because he knew that may be the only thing to crack through and get their hearts to turn back to God. But even the way they had to kill Jesus by crucifixion proved that Jesus was the Messiah of God. So look at this real quick. In the book of Genesis, written 2,000 years before Jesus comes, it says this. Genesis 49. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes. To whom it belongs, to whom the scepter belongs, and the obedience of the nations is his. For 2,000 years, the Jewish people understood this to be a prophecy about the Messiah who would come. And it says the scepter, the king's staff, or authority, rule, uh, that was rightfully the Messiah's. He would have the obedience of the nations, right? That's why they're talking about Messiah. This prophecy says that the Messiah is going to come through the lineage of Judah. And you ever seen all those genealogies in the Bible? That's why. Jesus came from Judah, Okay. But this also says the Messiah would come before authority is stripped away from the Jewish people. Now here's what's amazing. In 7 AD, real history, the Romans get sick and tired of all the Jewish uprisings and they strip authority away from the religious Jewish rulers, okay? So they don't have the authority for capital punishment. It even says in the Jewish historical uh, commentaries, in the Talmud, Woe to us, look at this, woe to us, for the scepter has been taken from Judah and the Messiah has not appeared. They're talking about that prophecy, well known. So the religious leaders in 7 AD are are writing outside the Bible, bemoaning the fact that their authority has been taken away for the first time ever, but the Messiah is not here. But he was there. He was growing up among them 
but their, their dot-focused, self-centered, you know, greed and, and power-hungry obsession blinded them even to seeing him do miracles, healing people right in front of their eyes. They couldn't deny the miracles, so they called him demon-possessed. He said, he's a sorcerer, that's how he's doing it. And they even recorded that in the Talmud. It's why they had to go to Pilate to get Pilate to hang Jesus because they didn't have the authority to crucify him. And in the Talmud it says, on the eve of Passover they hung Jesus of Nazareth for sorcery and leading Israel astray. Friends, this is history outside the Bible, but God foretold it all. The line is real. Look at this, written in 1000 BC, Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire? The kings of the earth rise up, the rulers band together against the Lord and against his Messiah, Meshach, anointed. That means Messiah. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. This is God speaking to Messiah. Ask me and I'll make the nations your inheritance. Look at this, Caiaphas, right? King Herod, Pilate, three uh, kings, rulers, leaders come together to crucify God's son. But it was all foretold. You know, there was an evil lie propagated in the Middle Ages that caused a lot of anti-Semitism, that, that the Jews were responsible for Jesus' death. The Jews weren't responsible for Jesus' death. The Romans weren't responsible for Jesus' death. Jesus said, I willingly lay my life down. Why? Because all have sinned. All have turned away from God. He did it for all of us. We're all responsible. But it was to show his love that we can all say yes to him and come back to him. The line of eternity is real. So friends, are you living for the line? Are you just living for the dot? You know, living for the dot is what caused Pilate to make a fatal mistake. So the Jewish rulers, they manipulate Pilate. They, they try to get him to kill Jesus saying, Jesus claims he's a king. That's, tra- that's being a traitor against Rome. You know, you better crucify him. And here's what Pilate does. So it goes on in John 18. Pilate went out, uh, went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are saying that I am a king. And in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Anyone on the side of truth listens to me. (laughs) What is truth? Pilate retorted. With this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis of charge against him. Jesus is the king of all kings. But his kingdom is of another realm. It's not of this world. It's not a kingdom of the dot. It's a kingdom of the line. And, and so those who follow Jesus, we're not to fight in the ways that people fight for the dot, for power or for control. We're to fight with love for our enemies. We're to fight for our marriages. We're to fight for people to be reconciled or made right with God. We're to fight for people to be reconciled or made right with each other because evil tries to divide and keep people isolated and alone and stuck. And God wants to set us all free and bring us back into right, loving relationship with God and each other. So yes, 
Evil is going to threaten you and intimidate you and bully you into just staying to yourself and not loving people past yourself enough to let them know how God feels about them. And Jesus promised this. Matthew chapter 10. Since I, the master of the household, this is Jesus speaking, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called even worse names. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. All that is secret will be made known to all. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Now, if you're just living for the dot, this is not good news, right? (laughs) But if you're living for the line, you realize, hey, this life ends, period. No way around it. But I have nothing to fear. This is not the end. It's the beginning of the whole story. But notice, Pilate isn't seeking what's true. He's only seeking what works for him. He's dot-focused. See, Jesus came to tell people what's true from the perspective of the line. And if we want to know what's true and and how it will greatly affect our, our relationship with God and how we view others and how we live our lives, we need to seek to understand and know Jesus' words and what he taught. He said, I came to bring truth from the perspective of the line. Pilate scoffed. What is truth? right? He was seeking self-interest, not seeking truth. And so he made a huge pivotal decision that made him infamous to this day. He knew Jesus was innocent. Why'd he do it? Well, because he wasn't thinking about the line. He was thinking about what will people think? What will people do? How will it affect me? So let me ask you a hard question. When you make your decisions, do you make your decisions on what will people think? What will people do? How will it affect me? Or do you seek truth from God's perspective and live for the line? Well, the amazing thing is God cares about and loves all people, including Pontius Pilate. And so God tries to warn Pilate. Look at this. In the book of Matthew, it goes on. Matthew 27, the same story picks up. Now, it was the governor's custom, Pilate's custom, each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. Look at this. God gives him, Pilate, a warning through his wife. Claudia was her name. She has a very vivid dream about Jesus. And it's warning her. This is an innocent man. And, and if you do this, it's going to lead to much suffering. And, and she warns Pilate. God is warning Pilate. Seek truth, not expediency. Seek the line, not just the dot. But he's focused on the dot. And he makes a decision based on what people will think or do and how it will affect his career. Claudia, interestingly, his wife seeks truth and finds truth. Do you know that Origen, 
who's one of the early church historians, writes about how because of this vivid dream, Claudius starts to seek knowledge about the risen Jesus, and she comes to understand what he's done, and she, come, she becomes a Christian. She starts following Jesus. And this is just a great reminder that some will respond like Pilate, and they will decide against Jesus, really for no good reason except self, self-interest and the dot. But others like Claudia realize there's something bigger that the dot's going to end and that I need to understand. And they seek truth and they find truth. And here's the thing, friends. You can't tell which is which. So what we have to do is just be faithful to God to tell what we have seen and what we know and give people an opportunity to know and entrust them to God. You know, Greg uh, told me after hearing Carlos' message uh, a few weeks ago about how God prompts us, you know, with these ideas in our, in our minds that he was making coffee at 5.30 one morning when Dan, one of his coworkers he teaches with, came to mind. And he remembered a conversation with Dan uh, where Dan said to him, man, God wouldn't have anything to do with me if you knew about all the things I've done. And he said that thought came back and it made him sad. And he thought, maybe God wants me to give Dan one of these books. And then uh, Greg wrote this to me. He said, but it made me nervous knowing what I know of Dan. I thought, he'll probably be sarcastic or just make me feel less than. But I grabbed a book. I held it for about a week because honestly, I was scared. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't know. I didn't think he'd be very open. And he said, Dan's this big, burly, you know, beefy guy, tough guy. And uh, Greg ended up telling him. He said, you know, I know this is going to sound weird, but as I was making coffee this morning, you came to mind. And that conversation we had a long time ago where you said God wouldn't have anything to do with me. And I thought, that's not true. And he said, I've been reading this book and it really shows how much God loves all people. And I know it may sound weird, but I, I, I wondered if that thought came to my mind because God wants you to know that. And I wanted to give you this. And he said, it shocked him. Because not only did Dan thank him, he gave him a big hug. You don't know what's going on in someone's heart. You don't know. But God can use your words as so much more than words. And remember this, what Jesus said that we just read, John, Matthew 10, for a time is coming when everything that is covered that you don't see will be revealed. All that secret will be made known to all. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. So I want to wrap up this series. I want to close with a video from the What's After ATX website. You know, one of these videos that hopefully you'll go out and look and share on social media. Because one of the things that happens when people clinically die and modern medicine resuscitates them is they talk about being in the presence of God and he gives them a life review. And and what's so amazing is that Jesus shows them the ripple effect of their lives through humanity. And I I want you to look at this, and then we're going to hear a song, and we're going to see the names scrolling, only about a quarter of the names scrolling, of all the people we're praying for, you know, that that God will draw back to himself uh, during this citywide conversation, just, just out of our church alone. And I want you to just think, as you hear this song, about that day that in God's presence, you'll get to see your life replayed, and you'll see how God used your words as more than words to change a life and an eternity and how it rippled through humanity.